you're joining us, and I hope you have your pen, and I hope your pen has a lot of ink in it, and that your hand is well rested so that you can keep up tonight and just enjoy going through these books of the Bible. And I always mention, and I, I, I don't really like going through them as fast as we've been going through them, but nonetheless, uh, I feel like that it's been profitable. A lot of people have enjoyed getting to be familiar with these books. And so on the screen there, if you're watching and you see that, of course, I always like to do visuals. My wife is a very visual person. And so when you think about the Bible, 66 books, but then when we look at just the Old Testament, which is what we're going through now, notice we've already covered the first stack there in the Old Testament that are stacked up. The book said that color to me is orange. I don't know what color you think it is, but uh, those are the books of the law, the, the Pentateuch, the five books of Moses that God allowed Moses to be the one that, to write those words. And of course, then notice the next section. These books go back to that. There is all the books that are kind of a light blue. That's the section that we're in right now. Now, this is the section in the Old Testament that is the section known as history. And so it begins with Joshua. Go back, we got quick on the trigger tonight. That's from Joshua all the way over to the book of Esther, all right? And so that's, that's what we're going to cover. And so as you, now go to, go to the next one there. He's, he's in a hurry to get there, all right? So the Old Testament, and this is the division, second division of the Old Testament. Now take your Bible and turn with me to the book of Joshua, chapter 1. I always like to look at how a book begins in the Word of God. Of course, I like to look at the entire thing. I'm, I'm reading through. I was hoping to be done reading through the book of Joshua by the time uh, I brought this uh, study tonight. But nonetheless, I'm going to finish it before we move on to the book of Judges. All right. Now, notice verse number one, chapter one. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses's, look at that word, minister. So here's, a, here's a, a, a man that grew up ministering and helping Moses as he was the one that was leading God's people. Now, the mantle has been passed on to Joshua. And of course, even when Moses went up to Mount Sinai, uh, Joshua was there waiting below. Of course, it wasn't a part of what Aaron and, and the children of Israel were doing back in the camp. And I love this, how Joshua, and I really believe this is, this is true, that, that God not only has someone always to lead his people, but I really believe you find the principle that God is always preparing someone to then be the successor, someone to come after. And listen, this is something for our lives. If you have children, understand you're not going to live forever. I, I'm not going to live forever either. And so there are always going to be those coming up behind us. And we have a responsibility. We saw that in the book of Deuteronomy, how God has given us a responsibility to teach and to train the next generation. Because listen, if we don't teach them and we don't train them, this world certainly is not going to teach them the ways of God. And so the Bible says that there was this man by the name of Joshua, verse 1, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, and notice the Bible says, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, 
Arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people under the land, which I do give to them. Uh, it says, even to the children of Israel, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon that I have given unto you, as I said unto Moses, from the wilderness unto this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not be any man, any man able to stand before thee all the days of thy life as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee and I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Wow, what a, what a great way to start this book. And of course, what an encouragement to Joshua that just like God had been with Moses, Joshua had seen that. He saw all the things that God did for Moses and how God led Moses and God enabled Moses and God strengthened Moses. And now Joshua's thinking, man, it's my turn. I get to lead the, uh, the people of God and I get to go into a land that God has promised to them. Remember, because of what Moses did in the striking of the rock and not obeying God, God allowed Moses to go up and to see the land, but he told him, he says, you're not going to be able to go into the land. Joshua was going to be the one that got to lead the people. Now, here they are. They're still on this side of the Jordan. And so the first thing we're going to see is Joshua's going to have to cross the Jordan River and then go into the land. And of course, there would be things they would face when they get in there. So this begins the section known as the history books or the historical books. Now, uh, I just want to give you a little bit about the Old Testament as a whole in this section before we move into the book of Joshua. So in your notes, the subject of the historical books, this next division, is God's acts or the way God dealt with Israel to cause them to possess their inheritance of the promised land. So it's all about God. It's all about what God was doing and how God was dealing with them that it was because of the way God was dealing with them that that would cause them to be able to seize or possess what God had promised to them. Now, the purpose of the Old Testament historical books is, notice here again, Israel's historical record in the Old Testament is included in certain books, and you saw them on the shelf. Look at this next graph here, and if you, if you can see that, the second column, it says history. These are the divisions of the Old Testament books. So we look at the first division, that's the books of the law, five of them. Then we look at the next section, the books of history. Now again, we see in our Bible, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles. Sometimes you might just see them in the Hebrew uh, Bible. You might see them put together as the book of Samuel, or books of Samuel, the books of Kings, and so on. Same thing there. And then the books of poetry. We'll get to those. Yeah, there you have the book of Job, Psalms, Proverbs, the book of Ecclesiastes. Then you get into the last section, which is the, the tail end of the Old Testament, deals with what is called the major prophets and the minor prophets. And of course, you see that uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, which is the writings of Jeremiah, and then the book of Ezekiel and Daniel, and then all those minor prophets. And the reason they're called minor is because 
they're smaller prophetical books than maybe a book like the book of Isaiah that has 66 chapters in it. So uh, we're going to focus over these next many Sunday nights on that second column, the book of the books of history, and I want you to see that. Now think about this, the history, if you look at those books there, the history of the nation of Israel, it ends, see the last book is the book of Esther, and so it ends with the return of the remnant from the Babylonian captivity as recorded in Ezra and Nehemiah. That's where we see the captivity taking place. And with the Jews who chose to remain in Mesopotamia as recorded by Esther. So this is how we find these Old Testament books, these historical books, how they come to a close. And we find that dealt with in Ezra and Nehemiah and, of course, Esther. And we'll see that as time goes on, we get to those books and what they are about. Now, all the prophets, except for five of the prophets, prophesied all of them before the captivity, except for five. And then notice during the captivity, we find that Ezekiel and Daniel were the two during the captivity, the Babylonian captivity. And then Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi were actually prophets. They prophesied after the remnant returned from the captivity. And again, we'll get into some of that as time goes on. Here's a, a chart I think that I've got here just to show you, a, again, a visual before the exile, the captivity, during the captivity, after the captivity. And you can see that many of these prophets prophesied. Now, again, they're not necessarily put together in our Bible in that order, these books of the Bible but this helps us to understand, and this may be something that would help you as you're reading. Like, for instance, if you're there in the book of Jonah, then it helps you understand that Jonah was a prophet before the captivity. Uh, you read the book of Daniel. We all know that Daniel was taken from his home during the captivity. He was taken into Babylon. So he, Daniel was a part of that captivity. When we find the last book in the Old Testament, the book of Malachi, was a book that was, Malachi was after uh, the remnant returned after the captivity. So this is just, again, a little, a little summary of the historical books that we find in our Bible to help us understand it a little bit better. Now, as we look tonight, we get into the first of these books, the historical book, the book of Joshua. Uh, the, the title I've given to the book of Joshua is the book of Conquest. And settlement. They're going into the land and they're going to receive what God has given to them. Now, the name Joshua, Joshua's original name was Oshia, and that name means salvation. Now, he was also, if you if you study the word of God, you find he was also called Jehoshua and Hoshea. And so all of those really mean the same person. They they mean the same thing. Of course, the name Joshua. It, it literally means Jehovah saves or Jehovah is salvation. So nonetheless, I love the name Joshua. And it, what's interesting about it is when you look, the Greek equivalent of Joshua is the name Jesus. Uh, this is kind of neat, but two times in the New Testament, the name Joshua is actually used in reference to Jesus. Now, two of these verses, I, I think you'll see them on the screen or there in your notes. The first one is in the book of Acts, chapter 7, verse 45, where the Bible says, which also our fathers, is talking Old Testament, 
Our fathers that came after brought in with, notice the name, Jesus into the possession of the Gentiles whom God drave out before the face of our fathers unto the days of David. Well, that was long before Jesus. That's a reference in the New Testament to Joshua. But notice the name Jesus is being used there. Another one is the book of Hebrews, chapter number 4, verse number 8. The Bible says, For if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterwards had spoken of another day. So again, you see the name Jesus there, but the book of Hebrews chapter 4, verse 8 is referring back to the Old Testament, referring back to the person that we see as Joshua. Now, the contents of the book of Joshua, and I love this, is the leadership and government of Israel now was going to rest, or it rested upon Joshua after the death of Moses. Listen, this was an awesome responsibility on the part of Joshua. Uh, Everybody now was looking to him instead of looking to Moses because Moses was now gone. And so the entire nation is looking at him. The settlement of the nation was under him. The conquest that they were going to have, the the battles that they would face, the dividing of the land of Canaan, uh, giving out to the children of Israel, all of that. And, And I love this. All of that showed the faithful hand of the Lord in delivering his people from a land that was not their land to a land that flowed with milk and honey and, of course, promised to them centuries before. Now, all of this was given, and think about this, God gave them this inheritance. All of this was given in spite of their murmurings. Remember in the Old Testament how they griped and complained, we have nothing to eat, we have nothing to drink, I mean, on and on and on, murmuring, yet God still gave them their inheritance, their ingratitude. They weren't thankful for what God had done. Listen, their shoes didn't wear out. I mean, listen, everything, God met every need in their lives, but yet they, they weren't grateful. By the way, that's the spirit of the day we're living in, is people are unthankful, the Bible says. Notice also, we find this major theme running through the Old Testament and the children of Israel, especially in their wanderings, was this matter of unbelief in the wilderness. And they just, they could not believe. And so many people today struggle in their faith in God. But can I tell you that, listen, we need to learn this lesson from them, that they were men and women that in the wilderness, they they just would not believe God. And so the entire leadership of the nation of Israel rested upon Joshua. Now, the book of Joshua was to Israel what the book of Ephesians is to the Christian. And when I say that, if you study the book of Ephesians, we now are in Christ, the Bible says, in the book of Ephesians. And again, where we used to be, where we are now, when you look at this matter of them moving into this promised land, we find the land of Canaan. Canaan is not a type of heaven. A lot of times people want to make that equation. They think that Canaan is a type of heaven. It's not a type of heaven. What it is, is it's a place of victorious living over the power of the enemy. And that's something that all of us, I know, listen, if you've been saved for just even a short amount of time or a long period of time, we have an adversary. We have an enemy who does not want us to have victory in our lives. I love the song, my mother-in-law's favorite song, Victory in Jesus. And, And so look, God has saved us. And because Jesus has already won the victory, 
then understand that, listen, the devil does not want us to have victory every day in our lives. So when you look at what the Bible teaches, them crossing over, going into Canaan's land, it's a place of victorious living over the power of the enemy. And that's what God wanted for the children of Israel. That's what God wants for you in your life also. And so as we think about this, it's so important that we see this. Um, did I have a slide back there, Brother Kenny? Yeah, there you go, right there. So uh, in your notes that you received, this is the layout. And of course, it's very simple in the book of Joshua. But if you notice here, you have, uh, if you remember and you did your reading, here's what happened was there were the two and a half tribes that actually asked Reuben and Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh. They asked for uh, that they could inherit the land that they were in before they crossed over the Jordan River. Now, remember that when they asked for that, uh, of course, uh, immediately Joshua thought that they, they, th their thinking was wicked, that they did not want to go and be a part of what God was giving to them. And then they made the promise that, listen, we will leave our, our wives and our children and our, our cattle and so on. They'll leave it there and that they will cross over before their brothers and they will help them. They will fight with them until they have inherited their land and then they would return back. So if you notice that after the introduction, you have the two and a half tribes there. Of course, a section with Caleb. I love the story of Joshua and Caleb. And of course, Caleb is an amazing individual to study. But that's why it says the special allotments. Then you have the major allotments. And that's when they get into the land and how the land is divided among the, the nine and a half uh, remaining tribes there. And then some of the special things you find at the end of it. Notice uh, the tribe of Levi and some of the things there. And then this, the conclusions at the end of the book of Joshua. And of course, we even looked at some of that this morning in the message. And so if you were not able to listen this morning, go, go, uh, go back to YouTube or Facebook and watch and listen to the message this morning on being a servant of the Lord from Joshua chapter 24. Now, the character of the book is, of course, it's a historical book. And this is the first of many books in the Old Testament on history of the nation of Israel. The subject of the book of Joshua is Israel's entrance into, and of course, then their conquest of, and the division of the land of Canaan for their inheritance. And we've mentioned that already, but again, they're, they're entering into that land. Now, the purpose of it, and this comes back to us, now, look at this, is to teach us. Now, again, we're not Israel. We were not going over into Canaan. But remember that what it represents, a place of victory. So it, the book helps us. It teaches us how Jesus, who is our Joshua, would lead us into a place where he can bless our lives, where he can give us victory over the enemy. He can cause us to enjoy our blessings that we have. The Bible says, look, we already, we're already seated in the heavenlies with the Lord Jesus Christ. So look, heaven is our home someday. But we can enjoy the Christian life right now. And that's why I love to study the book of Joshua. God wants us to understand the blessings that he has for us right now. And so I love this thought here, and I believe it's a true biblical thought, is Jesus is our Joshua. Remember, Jehovah is salvation. And so that's what Jesus is to me. And if you're saved, that's what he means to you. We have salvation because of the Lord. Now, the, the outline of the book was pretty simple, divided three ways, and I've got a few things I want to show you in between this outline that normally I don't, but you'll kind of get, get it as we go through it. 
But first of all, we see the first section here, the first five chapters, deals with them entering into the land. And of course, well, the Bible says that while they're on this side of Jordan, they, they need to prepare themselves. The truth is, in our lives, when God is about to bless, we need to make sure we prepare our hearts. When you come to church, when you, when you go soul winning, when you read your Bible, anything we do, we want to make sure that if we're going to possess what God has for us, we need to prepare ourselves for it. And then you see the passage of the people going across, and then the purification of the people. And this is kind of neat how uh, God instructs them because of the, uh, those that died in the wilderness that many years before this, they had circumcised the men. And then once they cross over, before they go in, the very first thing God asked Joshua to do is to circumcise because it's a new generation that had not happened. Now that circumcision there was, the Bible talks about covenants and, 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 and things that God has made with man. Well, the word covenant, is, it actually means cutting. And so when you see this circumcision, it was God making a covenant with them. And it, was, it would be something that would be remembered throughout the generations to come. And so all of that happens as they get ready to enter into and do enter into the land. Now, notice the second section is dealing with the conquering of the land. Now, this is uh, quite a few more chapters, and I want you to think about this because three ways you see these different campaigns. Now, they would go into a certain area, and they would do battle with the inhabitants of the land. So notice how we see the central campaign, then in the south part of the land of Canaan, and then they go in the north part. So keep that in mind is the central part and then the south, and then the north. Now look at this map, and I want you to see this. Hopefully, uh, maybe he, he can zoom in, or maybe you can see it where it is. But if you see here how they're, they're getting ready uh, to cross over the Jordan River, and of course, it's really hard to see on this particular map, but as they come in, notice the number one there. That's the central campaign. That's where they came into, and we see that here in your, if you look in the Bible, chapter 5, verse 13, all the way through chapter 9, verse 27, the end of chapter number 9. Now, that's the central campaign. Now, notice how the arrows come down to the number 2. And, of course, we see here that as they come into this southern campaign, that's what you find in your Bible, Joshua chapter number 10. Now, uh, pull it back down if you can there a little bit. Number 3 is at the top. This is the northern campaign. Now, all of this is the land of Canaan. And so they come into to this area here up north, and, and you find that in your Bibles in chapters 11 and chapters number 12. So that just kind of shows you that the land was there. There was a lot. And so Joshua again goes in to conquer the land and they do it kind of in three waves or three campaigns. That may help you to understand a little bit more about how they ended up possessing all the land. Now notice number three, the outline is actually possessing the land. This is chapters 13 all the way to the end of the book. Now, it begins with the borders of the tribes. Now, remember, there were nine, uh, 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 12 tribes, two and a half, of course, kept, uh, got their inheritance on the other side of the Jordan, but nine and a half were going to be awarded. And again, the Bible just shows us how the division of the land. Now, we've got a map here that shows this to you. And I want you to see if you can, uh, if you see the name in the middle, the orange section, the name Manasseh is there. And going right up through the middle of Manasseh, that's the Jordan River right there, okay? So if you look on this side of the Jordan River, okay, 
That's where you see, uh, I think the yellow section down below there, it, there you go, that's Reuben and Gad is the kind of bluish section. And then the orange, notice, goes across, that's the tribe of Manasseh. But what's on this side, so Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh, the half-tribe of Manasseh, they had their inheritance on this side of Jordan. When they crossed over, then notice how you have Judah and Dan and Ephraim and the other half-tribe of Manasseh. And Down below here you have Simeon, Zebulun, and then Naphtali and Asher. And there you go right there. So, so you have uh, the division and you see that in your Bible as you read through the book of Joshua chapters 13 through 19 gives us the division of the promised land to the nation of Israel, to the tribes. Now, the next thing you see in chapter 20 is the cities of refuge. Now, remember, we talked about there would be these cities that would be established that if something were to happen and maybe somebody would take a life, that they could flee to one of these cities for safety, for shelter, all right? Now, notice this particular map, and this is in chapter number 20. This one may be a little harder to see, but if you notice, it says over here, six cities of refuge. Now, on, your, on this map, if you can see it, it, there's red circles. There's three up at the top, and there's really kind of two at the bottom, and there you can see them a little bit better. So see, uh, here, go back down, or there you go. So you have Kadesh up there, you have Golan, then you have Ramoth Gilead, there's three if you drop down to the bottom. There you have Shechem, you have Hebron, and then you have Bezer. So there are the six cities of refuge that are there, and you see those cities that are mentioned in chapter number 20. Now, also letter C on your outline is the cities of the Levites. Now remember the tribe of Levites, that they were, they were not a part of any one of the the tribes, and so the Levites, they actually had their own Levitical cities. Now go back to that map, and notice it says here there were 42 additional cities. The Levites' inheritance will be among the 12 tribes. So they were in among the areas that the tribes were awarded, that they possessed. But if you look at all those black dots, okay, those are all cities of the Levites. That's, so if you notice, in each one of those areas, uh, of, that was awarded to the children of Israel, they lived in among the inheritance of the tribes, but they had their own cities, those Levitical cities, and you see that in chapter 21. And then the last part of the book, and we looked at a little bit of this this morning, was the last acts and words of Joshua. And I love, I always love, I, even historically, not, not only the Bible, but history, uh, people that know their life is about to end, like the Apostle Paul and you see even uh, men and women of, of, of history of our day who know that their, their life is about to expire. And some of the last things they say are some of the most important things. And I love the way Joshua ends his life and the challenge that he gives to the children of Israel. So there's the outline of the book. And maybe you can go back and maybe you can look at some of those maps. And again, I was just trying to, to help you visually to see uh, the way it was divided and some of the cities that God had given for refuge and for the Levites. Now, the scope of the book of Joshua covers a period of about 25 years, and the the era of conquest, the time that they went in to conquer the land, they think that it's it was approximately about seven years uh, in this conquest. And so, as we look at the book, it's again about 25 years in duration. The writer is Joshua, and the Bible says in chapter 24, verse 26. 
Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God, took a great stone, set it up there under an oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And as Joshua is writing, he is writing to the descendants of those who conquered the land. And so, again, it's a history book. It's something for them to look back on what God had done, uh, how God had brought them to this place. Maybe they would be reminded of it. It was written around 1400 B.C., and it was written somewhere in the land of Canaan, which is where they went in to possess the land. The key chapter is chapter number one. And so immediately we read part of it this, this evening is where God commissions Joshua. The, Moses has died. Joshua now takes the reins to lead the children of Israel. So God commissions. Notice uh, the, the key verses in chapter 21, verse 44 and verse 45. Look at verse 44. The Lord gave them, love this word, rest roundabout according to all that he sware unto their fathers, and there stood not a man of all their enemies before them. By the way, that goes back to that promise that he made to Joshua. And so the Lord delivered all their enemies into their hands. So they, God gave them rest. Verse 45, the Bible says, There failed not aught of any good thing which the Lord had spoken unto the house of Israel. All came to pass. Again, that just shows the faithfulness of God and how God had given them what he promised he would give to them. The key word is the word possess. And to go in and inherit what God has. And what a great lesson for us. The key phrase is God's faithfulness. We've mentioned that a couple times. God is a faithful God. Now when you think about his faithfulness, two verses that I love. As I studied Joshua chapter 1 verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon that have I given unto thee as I said unto Moses. So again, God's faithfulness. We see it at the end of the book. One of the verses we just read there, failed not aught of any good thing which the Lord had spoken unto the house of Israel. All came to pass. So God is ever faithful, and we need to keep that with us today also. Now the key thought is to go in and settle the, the land, so the settlement of the nation and uh, to this point, the nation of Israel had actually been in three different lands. Of course, remember, they began uh, in the land of Egypt, and while they were there, they were in bondage. Then they went into the wilderness. That was the second uh, place that they were. That was the place of their training. So they were in bondage, they were in training, and then, of course, now they're in the land of Canaan. And, and think about this, bondage, training, rest. Kind of sounds like the Christian life. We were in sin. God is teaching us, training us. And listen, we can have rest in this life. And certainly one day we will arrive at our ultimate rest, which is heaven. And so the settlement of the nation is the key thought. The spiritual thought is to take the land and to possess your possessions. And I think so many Christians, I, I don't know if this, I, you know, I can find a little bit of premise for this in the Bible, but I really believe this is something that is true. As, as somebody said many years ago, that maybe one day we'll get to heaven and we, God might say, you see all that? That is everything that I had planned to bless you with, but because you were not obedient, I could not bless you with it. Now, Again, I, I, I can't give you verse and scripture for that, but I do believe 
that many times what God has for us is forfeited because we are not obedient and we fall short of the glory of God. So the Bible is teaching us here through the book of Joshua to take the land, to possess your possessions. God has many things in store for us. And I think, again, the only half has been told as was said of Solomon. Now, the, some things I find unique in the book, I always like to find these nuggets in the books. One of the things that I've always enjoyed is, is this small study, but I think it runs through, is this matter of the scarlet thread running through the Bible. And in the book of Joshua, it was attached to a lady by the name of Rahab. Now, remember, as you read the book, she's not just known as Rahab, she's known as Rahab the harlot. Kind of interesting when you see this. Now, this scarlet thread, remember the, they came in to spy out the land. Joshua sends two men in, and as they go in, they end up in the home of Rahab. Rahab hides them from those that are looking for them because they knew that there were some strange men that had come into, their, into, into to Jericho. And so as a result of this, she hides them. Then they go looking for them because she tells them that they left. And then she safely gets them out. But uh, she asked them to promise to, to, to save her life and her family. And I love this because it's a beautiful type of Christ's blood, which brings deliverance from the judgment that is about to come. Remember, they were going to come in. They were going to destroy the city and, of course, and then give us safety even from death. And the Bible records how not only Rahab, but her entire family was saved as a result of this. And I love, I love the thought here, uh, the uniqueness of this. A couple verses that I, I got from the book of Joshua and one from the New Testament is how the Bible says in Joshua 2.15, Then she let them down by a cord through the window, uh, for her house was upon the town wall, and she dwelt upon the wall. And so certainly she knew what she was doing, and she, she put her life uh, at risk by doing this, but she knew that God was with these individuals that had come into her city. Now, chapter 6, the Bible says, Joshua saved Rahab, the harlot, alive, and her father's household, and all that she had, and she dwelleth in Israel, even unto this day, because she hid the messengers, which Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. So again, you see the redemption there, this scarlet thread. Now, one thing that I think is exciting is when you study and you get into the New Testament, two of the gospel records actually give what is known as a genealogy. And of course, a lot, a lot of this is to establish the fact of who Jesus is and the line that he comes through. But what's interesting in the genealogy of Jesus, you find there are five women that are mentioned. Now, again, in the Old Testament, in, in the nation of Israel, the Jewish economy, many times women were looked down upon. They were looked as, upon as a commodity. But I, I think that each one of those women not only were women that God used in a special way, but I think that they represent something unique. And among those five, one of those five women that is in the genealogy of Jesus is Rahab. Now again, remember, it's Rahab the harlot. Now I want you to look at this verse in, in one of those genealogies, Matthew 1 and verse 5. And Salmon begat Boaz of Rahab, Rahab there, spelt a little bit different, and Boaz begot Obed of Ruth, and Obed begot Jesse, and remember, Jesse was the father of David. 
And so we see here the genealogy, how Salmon and Rahab were the father and mother of Boaz. Now, Boaz in the Old Testament is known as our kinsman redeemer, which was a type of Jesus Christ. And so, listen, I could give you so much more, and that's not the intent here, but I love the uniqueness of Rahab and that scarlet thread in her place, not only here in the book of Joshua, but in the, in the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Another thing that's unique is the two memorials that you see established in the book of Joshua in Joshua chapter number four. Now remember, they are preparing to go into the, the, the promised land to possess their possessions. So as they are instructed, God tells Joshua what to do. Joshua instructs the priest. The priest begin to go into, and remember that as the priest, not until, but as they begin to step out into the water, the water parted. There's a lesson in and of itself that until we step out by faith, God's never going to part the water. God's never going to do in our lives. So what happens? The priests then step in, and of course, the, God parts the water like the Red Sea. He dries up the ground. And so the Bible records that, that they take some stones and they set up memorials. Okay, Now again, a memorial, something to remember, something to remind them of. And the first one of these is in the midst of the Jordan River, where the Ark of the Covenant rested. So the priest actually stayed in the midst of the Jordan while all the tribes crossed over, and then they took the stones. It says here in chapter 4 and verse 9, Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of Jordan in the place where the feet of the priests, which bear the Ark of the Covenant, stood, and they are there unto this day. Now, What's neat about that is, I believe with my heart, and again, I have no way to prove this, but the Bible says they are there until this day. I really believe that somewhere they are still there, that God has said that they are there, but what's, what's unique about it is that, that they were bearing that ark. Now, the ark is, again, a great representation of the Lord Jesus Christ. You think about what was in the ark, the law, and you think about Aaron's rod that budded, and then you think about the mercy seat, and you think about how it was covered with gold, and how it was borne by the priest, and I really believe that you see that Jesus, just like this ark, that Jesus went down into the Jordan, and Jordan is a place of dying, and so they set up the memorial there, which was a reminder of what Jesus did for us. I'll tell you what he did for us. He delivered us from our sins. He saved us from our sins. And so that memorial that's in the midst of the Jordan is there as a reminder. And so when, when we see behind me our baptistry, when somebody is saved, we can't see what's in the heart, what's taking place. But when they go down into the water, it's a place of the death and then the burial and then the resurrection. And that's exactly what we see here. Jesus representing the Ark of the Covenant going down into the Jordan symbolizing the death and, of course, then the deliverance coming up out of. And, and, of course, God, even with the baptism of his son, said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And so I love that first memorial of how it typifies of what Jesus did for us. And then the second memorial is in chapter 4, also the lodging place of Gilgal where they stood on the new territory. So here they are. They've now crossed over. 
and each man has grabbed a stone for their tribes. They bring them out of the Jordan, and they set them up. Now look what it says here in chapter 4, verse 19. And the people came up out of Jordan on the 10th day of the first month, and they encamped in Gilgal. They're on the other side. It says, in the east border of Jericho. And these, those 12 stones which they took out of Jordan did Joshua pitch in Gilgal. Now, what do these stones represent? Well, they represented victory. They represented uh, this matter of rest that, listen, they've come out of the land of their fathers that served the gods on the other side, and God's now given them rest. The stones were taken out and they were set up on the other side of the Jordan as a memorial of what? Of life, a memorial of the new life that they have, the blessings that God has in store for them, and of course, that which he wants them to go and to possess. So those two memorials, I think, are neat. Now, I think sometimes we see this, I've seen it even times where I've been out hiking, uh, I've seen pictures of this where people just take like maybe five, six stones and they stack the stones just stone on top of stone, but yet the Bible says that, that, uh, that he actually began to set up these stones and he, he actually began to mortar them or create like a pillar or like a monument, something that would stay. And of course, this would be something to remind him that where they, the children later on would say, what mean ye by these stones? And then they could, they could say, well, here, here's what happened. This was set up, these stones were taken out of the midst of the Jordan when God brought us over into a land of victory, a land of blessing. And again, I love the thought there, the two memorials. Now, they came over, look at this third thing, is Gilgal, where they came to. Now, the name Gilgal means place of rolling. And remember, I told you that what God instructed Joshua to do with all the males once they crossed over was this matter of circumcising them and, and what that was all about was it was about all their past sins had been rolled away. Uh, that song that we sing sometimes, maybe they do it more with the kids, is roll away, roll away, all my sins have been rolled away. Well, that's, that's what that stood for when the circumcision took place, this new covenant, the land of blessing was God says, look, old things are passed away, behold, all things are become new. And so the Bible says here in Joshua 5 and verse 9, the Lord said unto Joshua, this day have I, notice, not Joshua, not the children of Israel, God has rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off of you. Now remember, they had been in Egypt's land and they had allowed the things of Egypt, the things of this world to become a part of their lives. And God says, look, I've brought you unto myself. I brought you into new land and the Bible says, God says, I've rolled this away. Wherefore, the name of the place is called Gilgal unto this day. And again, it, it means the place of rolling. Now, our theme this year is magnify. So every time I look in these books, it's not hard for me to find ways that Christ is magnified. In the book of Joshua, I love this thought here. He is magnified as the captain of the Lord's host. The captain of the Lord's host. Joshua has this conversation in chapter 5 with one that is identified as the captain of the Lord's host. Look at verse 14. And he said, nay, but as the captain of the host of the Lord, am I now come? And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, 
What saith my Lord unto his servant? So again, as we read the Bible, as we understand God, that the Bible instructs us that only God is to be worshipped. So what do we see here? This captain of of the host of the Lord, that Joshua sees him, and Joshua sees him standing there, and so again, Joshua understands that he's for them, he's not against them, and Joshua falls down to the earth, and what does he do? He worships. Only God is worthy of our worship, and Christ, again, is magnified as the captain of the Lord's host. Now, when I look at the end of the book, and the book as a whole, here's some great things that I want you to take with you. The book closes with Joshua's exhortation to the people, and so as he is exhorting them, what does he do? He reminds them that it is God who has been the one that's fought for them. Certainly, they w- they went into this land and they did battle, but but ultimately, they many times were outnumbered. They were outsized. The Lord is the one that fought for them. He went before them. Not only does he remind them God is the one that fought for them, but he exhorts them to keep all that was written in the law of Moses and to serve the Lord with all their hearts. Now, again, this is an exhortation. He's encouraging them. Make sure you keep. Well, look, what do we have today? We have God's word right here in our hands. As we, Tonight, as you look in the word of God, as you hold it in your hands, God says, I want you to keep all the law that I've given to you. God wants us to keep and understand he's given us his word, that his word would guide us. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And we want to make sure that we're doing the same thing, that we are keeping all that is written. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And then notice also, not only does he remind them, he exhorts them, but he invites them to choose this day who it is they're going to serve. And remember what his resolution was, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And so may we follow Joshua's example and the invitations there to make the right choice. Now his last act, we read it earlier, is to write the words that God had given him in the book of the law of God and to set up a great stone as a witness uh, to the renewal of the covenant that God had given. So again, nothing new, but again, Joshua says, I want this to be a reminder, and we're going to set up something here that will help us. And so Joshua writes that down. Now look at chapter 24 and verse 28. I want you to see these. We didn't cover these this morning. I saved them for this evening. But notice the Bible says, So Joshua let the people depart, every man unto his inheritance. And it came to pass after these things that Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old. So Moses was with the children of Israel for a long time, five books in the Bible. Uh, We find Moses mentioned or Moses writing the words of God. But yet one book we find here with Joshua as as the leader of God's people. And the Bible says, that he was 110 when he died. They buried him in the border of his inheritance in Timnath-Serah, which is in Mount Ephraim, on the north side of the hill of Gash. And Israel served the Lord, here's the words, all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua and which had known all the works of the Lord that he had done for Israel. Now that's a testimony to the man Joshua and the man that preceded him, Moses. And again, that's why it's so very important that we make sure that we're teaching the generations that are with us, the generations that are coming behind us, 
so that, listen, that one day, like Joshua, when we're gone, that, that listen, the children that are behind us are going to continue to walk in the ways of God, that they are going to continue to do what the Lord had given them to do. Now, what, what's neat about this is, here's the thought. Remember, Joshua is associated with Jesus. Now, Joshua was 110 years old, and he died. You know, our Joshua, Jesus, he never dies. Uh, he is eternal. He has always been. He always will be. See, Joshua left them, and somebody else came after him, but Jesus is always with us, and Jesus is the one who brings us into the good land. Jesus is the one that we need to make sure that we, like they did for Joshua, that we abide under his leadership, that as the Lord leads us, that we would follow him and do what he asked us to do. And if we do that, what's going to happen is we will possess what he has for us and we will overcome all of our enemies. And so the book of Joshua is a great study. I hope you enjoy the book, as not only this time, but maybe down the road as you get into it, to study it, to read it. There's so many other things that I have not really had the time to hit on, but I hope that some of this has helped you now, next Sunday, one week from tonight, we're going to get into the book of Judges, and we're just going to continue going through these books uh, dealing with the historical section of the nation of Israel. Now, there's 21 chapters. That's seven days, three books a day, 21 chapters. If you read through those, you'll be able to get through the book, be familiar with it. So one week from tonight, we get together and we can go through the book of Judges. Now, don't forget, Wednesday night, the connection groups that we want to make sure that you're a part of that this week only will live stream. And so I'm looking forward to sharing our second lesson, the stewardship section that we pulled over to go through. And so don't miss that, uh, whether Facebook or YouTube on Wednesday night at 7 p.m. And I'm praying that God will keep you safe. Pray for those in our church that are hurting, that uh, also that you'd have a great week. And listen, here's the thought. Make sure that you're following the Lord and possess what God has for you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you again for this day that you've given us in your house. Thank you for the encouragement from the life of Joshua this morning and this evening. Lord, I pray that you would help us to realize what you have for us. And God, that you are with us. You will help us uh, to overcome anything that comes our way. Thank you for leading us, for loving us, for caring for us. Lord, bless this week. May you give us opportunities to serve you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.